Welcome to Souls and Hearts Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. Great to be with you, uh, Dr. Peter. We on Be With The Word will reflect on these awesome readings that we have. This is uh, it's the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Yep. We're going to talk about how to find joy unexpectedly. So that's our topic for today. And if you haven't read the readings on your own, uh, feel free to go over, or please go over to our sister podcast, Hear the Word, which is available on YouTube, as well as every major podcast place like Apple and Spotify, and listen to us read it to you. Simple as that. Yep. And then come back over here and we'll talk about it. And uh, we're excited to do so. How are you doing, Dr. Peter? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's, 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 things are coming along well. It's really busy, but it's good. And how are you doing, Dr. Jerry, down there in Atlanta? Um, I'm going to give kudos to my friend Matt, Matt Fred, by drinking coffee from <laughs> mug because he dragged me to CrossFit this morning. <laughs> I'm beginning to feel some soreness coming upon me because I'm seriously out of shape and uh, CrossFit is a little, uh, let's just say it's a bit intense, but, <laughs> but it was good. It was a good start to my day to actually get up and do something physical uh, and then everything else could, you know, go crazy after that. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a good day. Thanks for asking. So we are diving in. This is episode, we're in episode 36. Is that, yeah. is that where we're at? Yeah, 36. Yeah. All right. So let's 17th get it. 17th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And and I, I am just dying to know, like, all right, what grabbed you? What was the first thing when you were looking through these readings that you said, hey, we got to talk about this? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's why I want to know which is the first thing, right? Yeah. Fact to read about Solomon in, in Kings because okay. um, I'm, I feel like I'm just a bit stronger in the New Testament than the Old, as it is. And I have, you know, images of Solomon, especially once he's already king. Okay. And uh, so this was kind of interesting to read uh, and be reminded, you know, when he was young, God literally said to him, what do you want? Yeah. You know, what do you want? I'll give it to you, which, which is Sounds like a pretty big carte blanche there. I'm not used to, to seeing. And then Solomon says, I want to have understanding. And I guess yeah. wisdom. And uh, understanding in my heart, actually. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's amazing to me that he, and then he responds by saying he wants that. And God is so impressed he doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for um, long life or revenge on his enemies or anything like that. He doesn't ask for normal worldly things. And God is like totally pleased with that and actually makes him the wisest, he says, ever, like before and after him. Right, right. Well, and the wisdom of Solomon is legendary, right? And And what struck me about that was the humility, right? He comes at this from this really humble position before God, right? He's right. not caught up in his own, he's not caught up in his own position, which is, you know, king of an innumerable people. He's not caught right. up in, in the things that God has given him. He's, he's, he's reflecting on how he needs help. And so no. the humility 
there seems to be so directly linked to the wisdom. You know, and that's what I find in, in, in therapy, uh, Dr. Jerry, is that, you know, clients that can really be humble, can really accept reality, can accept their own, uh, you know, weaknesses and so forth. That's so critical, not only in the mm-hmm. spiritual life, but it's also critical in shoring up, you know, our psychological lives, our natural lives, that natural foundation for the spiritual life. So, Yeah, but it's interesting, like seeking wisdom, seeking understanding. Having your heart transformed is what God wants and which stays consistent with the other readings. Like, and I know this is one you love because you told me before how much you right. love the, the part of the Romans reading, which is right. where he says, we know all, uh, that all things work for good for those who love God. Right. Right. That so, is my absolute all time favorite. That is my all time favorite scripture passage because it is so hopeful and it means that Anything that happens is a good, even though it, it may be a horrible thing in terms of its, you know, the moral quality, you know, traumas or whatever, victims of crime or whatever. God can make good come from anything, anything. And he says that as a guarantee, all things work together for good. So no, no, no exceptions, right, for those who love the Lord. So I find such great hope and such great solace in that, in that passage. That, that to me is why that's my number is a psychologist, especially, you know, when we deal with all kinds of like really horrible things that happen to people and the effects of those things, you know, that all things could work together for good, that there isn't any of this that escapes his notice, you know, and that can't be turned to good. And that's the only reason in his permissive will that he allowed it to happen. Not that he actively willed horrible things to happen to people, you know, and, you know, immoral things, sinful things happening to people, but that he can, he, he can make greater good come from that. So. You know, That's it's funny, I'm not even going to go here in this episode, but but I mean, even though I think of my own personal traumas, and I've shared a little bit in previous episodes, it's not where I want to focus, but I actually really do believe that. Like, I, there's a part of me that wouldn't change it. Right. And you know, I would. <laughs> Another part of me would change it, but it, part of me wouldn't change it because yeah. I wouldn't be the person I am today. But it only, but I wouldn't be the person I am today if not also, I think, for a heart that turned to God. Right. Because somebody else with the same experience might not do that. Right. And might even, in a worldly sense, understandably make bad decisions as a result. And I've made some of my own, but, but, but they, but I wouldn't have had the transformation I right. experienced. Right. I might not have empathy the way I have for people. Right. I don't know. But I feel like I wouldn't. Yeah. So what an amazing passage. It is. It is. It's yeah, that's an amazing passage. And going back to Kings just for a minute, you know, it's the emphasis isn't on our mind. It's not on our capacity to figure things out. It's about the heart, right? It's about and it's about connection and relationship with God. And that comes out in the Psalm too. Like, I love your commands, you know, and that he's going to give understanding to the simple, not to the people that necessarily have advanced degrees in moral philosophy or in, you know, or in theology, that there's this discernment that happens to the, to the, you know, for the simple. So, you know, and that's comforting to me too, you know? No, no. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd like to turn to the gospel and it's kind of probably where more of my focus was today. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's so much there. It's interesting. And these parables are so fascinating where this is like another week of parables um, all from Matthew. And one thing that I might point out is that the parables seem to be teaching insanity. 
right? Like on a worldly sense, in a secular sense, even according to secular psychology or secular, or, you know, even at that time would have been teaching something that was a little bit crazy and yet contained a profound radical truth. Right. So we really want to explore that. And and so we're going to be kind of going against probably what most people think of as happiness, which is what Solomon did in Kings. Like he didn't do the thing that the, the normal thing, which would have been to ask for, give me a long life, give me lots of money, give me all the worldly things I could want. And that's not what this is about again. Um, so I'm just fascinated by this, by these different parables. Do you feel the same way? I mean, I think yeah. it's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I and, and that's what we really want to highlight in this show is, you know, because there's plenty of, 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 of secular psychological podcasts out there that you all could listen to. You know, what we want to do, though, is really ground this in the mysteries of, of the faith and in the, and in the, and in this, 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 uh, Catholic anthropology, this Catholic worldview. So I just love it when you do that. So yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. Let's challenge it. Let's challenge the world. Well, and we're not even having to go far. It's what Christ himself. Is <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Okay. And because, you know, I know Dr. Peter, you always kind of like get me or have more info when it comes to like, agriculture. <laughs> But I don't know how you are with fishing, and I don't know how you are with Palestinian field practice. <laughs> and I found out that apparently, according to Jewish rabbinic teaching in Palestine at this time, at least, and maybe quite a bit before and after, I don't know. But if you were looking around for in a field and found a treasure, even if the land wasn't your own, you could keep it. It was kind of a finder's keeper in terms of that. That might have been a little different from Roman law, but at this point, they were the people in Palestine were following more the Jewish Palestinian uh, Jewish Palestinian type rabbinic teaching. And in fact, that area of the territory, especially Palestine or Israel, would have been so often a battleground that what people did was. They actually hid their treasures in the earth. That was the safest place in their minds to keep treasure hidden or their valuables. And if you were in battle, you would hide your treasure in your battle. And you might lose your land in a battle and have to leave. And you would know where you had left your stuff in the chance that later you would return to your and regain your land. You'd be able to find your stuff. Or, or so you're saying you're saying there really was buried treasure like this was a real thing this is a total thing and you can look it up like there's lots of people huh. since that have been looking for this for treasure all the time they find buried treasure <laughs> in this area because the earth was the only safe place apparently right right so anyway. there were no it's no safety deposit boxes or any of that stuff no vaults you know anything like right. that so that yeah, makes sense so it's to the listener cool. right yeah, yeah. So to the listener, this first passage, like we kind of doesn't quite make sense to us. But to the to the listener at the time, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. Like who who buried? Like first of all, that doesn't totally make sense to most of us. Right. And then, but to them, they've been like, yeah, of course. Uh, which a person finds and then hides again, right? So it doesn't mean it was theirs. And out of joy, goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, I think the cool point here is that. By rabbinic law, that's his for finding the treasure. It. The treasure is his already. It's already his. Yes, finders yeah. keepers. But he's going to exactly. go and, buy, and he's going to go buy the field now. So 
Like, why do that? Just be sure. Because oh. he's so filled with joy, surprised by joy. He's so excited. He doesn't want to risk anything. He must have that. He's willing okay. to buy the land itself to make sure that he gets it. So it's like the joy in finding this is, is more important than anything. And now you have to link kingdom of heaven. Where do we know, like where else do we know that Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, right? Other than the Lord's prayer. And we know that the, the kingdom is doing God's will which doesn't always sound like a good thing. Like I know most, if we think about it objectively, we should know that it is a good thing no matter what. But sometimes I think in a human level, we're kind of like, well, I hope I want, God wants me to do this, but I want to do this. And I hope nobody, maybe he won't notice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So, so the challenge here or the message here is doing, in my mind, you can challenge it. Let's explore it. But, but doing God's will actually brings joy so much so you'll do anything you'll give away all of your money and you'll take every you're not going to take any chance you have to have that all right so so this is what i'm thinking dr jerry so let's say that at the head level right at an intellectual level that makes sense but right. let's say you've got like an internal recoiling at that like whoa like mm-hmm. hey I don't know about this, you know. Um, what do you say to somebody that's got like kind of that split inside, right? Because how many of us, you know, you know, when we are when we experience a cross that we reasonably be, believe came from God, or a or a yoke that fits well, we're like, wow, yay, a cross, a yoke, woohoo, let's do it, you know. Like a lot of times, it's like, oh man, this is hard, you mm-hmm. know. And I would say sometimes even our Lord Himself, right, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't seem joyful on the surface, at least, you know, looking at the prospect of the, the the passion that he was about to undergo. So let's, I mean, maybe we need to nuance it a little bit and help other people along too, because it's like, I don't know, how See, do we understand this? I, I know, I think it's interesting. No, what a great, great question. What a great way to pose it. Because I think this goes beyond discipline and self-sacrifice and denial and carrying your cross. Like all those things are, are, are important and they're discussed uh, obviously in the gospels. And, and those are things we need to accept. But I think he's saying uh, the way I read it, that there's something more, it goes beyond all those things that there's a joy beyond uh, just a cross and a misery this isn't right. about a life that's just, you know, I'm going to bear it. This is like when you actually discover the kingdom, when you dis- when you connect with God this way, you are thrilled. You are thrilled. This is a deeper level of happiness. This is real joy that you can't get any other way. And I think that here's the thing. Okay, I'll, I'll compare it to this. I don't know what okay. else to compare it to. But um, I think that we get stuck in our misery. We cling to it, whether it's a, a cross that is like we can't help or but a lot of the time it's something that we think we're stuck with. Maybe we think I can't get by without drinking or I can't get by without pornography. I don't know. I always go to those addiction things because I work with a lot of addiction, but it might be something else. Right. It might be something just more a regular thing. I can't get by without it. When in fact, 
letting it go would actually bring incredible joy and it would free us. And yet we somehow can't get there. We have to leak and we have to discover it. There's, this is reminding me of like just a few days ago, I was writing in my journal uh, about a yoke of my own making that wasn't fitting well. Um, because I had some expectations for the other podcast I do, you know, about like how many people I should have listening, blah, blah, blah. Is it going well? You know, kind of some insecurity about that. And I realized that this is a yoke of my own making. And I fashioned a poorly fitting yoke for myself here. And that, you know, what I was getting in prayer was I, I don't, you know, from, from our lady is that I, this is mine. You gave it to me. Right. So I want it to be small. I don't want it to have thousands of followers right now. That's not what this needs. So, you know, I was thinking that was really liberating for me to say, look, I don't need this. I don't need this to be whatever my expectation was, because I could tell that there was a part of me that was trying to make it big so that it would be pleasing to God. Right. And we could say there's lots of people being helped and so on and so forth. He says, it's not what I want. So it's kind of going along with what you're saying, that somehow this is about, um, about, um, you know, that, that understanding of heart, right. And it was a relational thing. It wasn't a cognitive thing. And then I've mm-hmm. just kind of lost where I was going with that. I hope it was yeah. connected to in some way to what you were saying. Oh, <laughs> right on. I think that's absolutely it. I think it's exactly it is that we don't know that there are things in our lives that we actually don't, we could do without. Right. And we'd be freed from. And in our human level, we, we make them. Sometimes we, we put it on ourselves for some reason. Right. Oh my gosh, I think I do that all the time. And in and, 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 and ways where I expect I have to do more and more and more all the time. And I, I'm, not, I'm not good at saying no. And I have to work on that. I have to work on saying, you know, what does God really want for me today? Right. Is it, and, yeah. it may not, and it may not be obvious right away. This whole thing about discernment, right? And, you know, that God loves the simple-minded. Because I like to sit down and try to calculate it out using my own human reason. And what I'm having to learn over and over again is that no, I actually need to listen to what God wants because it's it's yeah. not going to occur to me in the same way. So, yeah. sweet. Well, let's look at the next one because there's a bunch in a row here. There's like right, you right. Know, like little machine gun parables coming at us here, <laughs> but they're all kind of connected. So the the first guy is just looking in a field and finds it. Right? It doesn't right. say anything more. The second guy, like the second guy, actually goes out. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine Searching. Gold. He's looking. Because the first guy just stumbles on it. This, this guy is a merchant who's like out to get pearls. Now I did some research on pearls. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> pearls are, are the diamonds or whatever of that time. Like if you had a pearl, that was considered the most beautiful, like most treasured thing. It was worth a lot of money, but it was also... Uh, valued for just its beauty. And so a, a pearl that was especially beautiful was just, you know, worth a lot. And so here's this merchant, right? So he'd be looking for pearls to sell, but he's he finds one of great price. He goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Okay, so that goes against what a merchant would do because a merchant would normally not want it for himself. He would just want to make more money. Right, right. But he, he sells everything he has in order to get this pearl. So I think that, again, is like how this is a thing of beauty. And when we follow God's will, it isn't just that we're going to be nailed to a cross and like stabbed. Jesus did that for us. When we, when we 
when we find this, it's going to be beautiful. And, you know, I, okay, here's the thing. Like, I know sometimes in a worldly way, I don't feel like praying. Like, I like to do my morning prayers. It's just so important to me to get up and do my morning prayers. But sometimes I just don't want to. <laughs> but, you know, or I'm, and I make an excuse like, oh, I'm just too busy or I'm running late or something like this. But the reality is the minute I sit down and go and I sit in his presence and I pray, I'm like, oh, thank God I needed this. God, you're so beautiful. You know, and, and I see the beauty. Not every time exactly, but a lot of the time I see that. And, and, and it's just like it reminds me that I don't always know what I should, what I need. Right. And, 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 and that what I need is actually just simply good for me and beautiful. And this is what I believe this pearl metaphor is saying. Sound good? I really like that. I really like that. The merchants buy and sell, but this merchant is not going to sell this pearl. No. This no, merchant no. is not going to sell this pearl. So it actually goes in some ways against his nature, right? Because yeah. you get too attached to anything that you're buying and selling as a merchant, and it undercuts the business, right? So he's actually leaving his business in a sense because he has no more capital to buy pearls now. <laughs> right. And because he's got what he was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. No, exactly. I love that. And in a way there's pearls are, there could be lots of good pearls, like having connections with others or gaining knowledge, or there could be art, music, literature. There's all kinds of good pearls that are not bad pearls. They're all fine, but they're not this great pearl, this this pearl of great price is is really the in, in Jesus is saying here is the kingdom of God, kingdom right? Of God. And he had to give up those lesser goods for that greater good. Yeah, but yeah. then he has, or, he has the or pearl. prioritize it like one right. way or another. He had to right. make that his number one priority. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Now let's go to the next one. And okay. I did switch on fishing a little bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one is again the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea which collects fish of every kind when it is full they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets and they throw it bad away well okay there are two ways to fish in this time in this time period and one is where they stand on shore and they have a net and they throw it in, in, in from shore so that's one way but that's not what they're talking about here the one they're talking about here is called a, like a dragnet. So they're, it's like a square net and it has sort of weights on the ends or something on the ends. And it gets dragged in the water and it kind of comes out like a cone. It, it, it kind of comes in like a cone and just like captures all the fish and everything in it on one. And then they take it all in. So it's going to naturally collect fish. That's awesome. And it's going to collect other crap. There are fish you don't want or I don't know, whatever. I don't know what they might capture. And so they actually literally then have to go in and take the fish that they want, stick it in a bucket. The rest of the stuff they have to get rid of. All right. So this is what I learned about. And, and, and you know what? Okay. And then it says here, this is, he even says, this is the way it's going to be almost like for the church because, and the angels are going to separate out the wicked from the righteous. So the good fish are like the righteous and everything else is the wicked. All right, so what I had been thinking about is the church. And because I have a tendency to be a little judgmental sometimes, believe it or not, to be here. <laughs> Occasionally, like I'll be in church and I'll be like, 
thinking like I'm all holy and why is nobody else like praying hard enough? They're not singing. What are they doing? Everything. I just judging other people. And, 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 and even like, you know, thinking maybe the church should be this place where only strong convicted Christians inhabit and whatever that exactly is. And so I think what gospel is actually saying is that I'm wrong. And that the church is going to be made up of a mixture, right? And it's not my judge, my job to judge. And it's God's job; He judges. My job is to work on my own self, and that in the end, it will be taken care of by God, by the angels. So I think I just thought that was an interesting observation, especially in this day and age where there's a lot of polarization in the church and everything else. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I did know about the drag. I did not know about the rabbinical law, and I didn't know about the other things that you were talking about. I didn't know about the dragnet. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I mean, it's going to catch everything. We're all going to be evaluated. And I agree about the judging. I mean, the polarization. I mean, right now, you know, where we are with this coronavirus thing, I mean, the big thing right now is masks. Who's wearing yeah. masks to church and who's not and why? And, you know, there's all right. kinds of opinions all over the board on these things. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be extremely distracting. I can get caught up in that too. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, just a, a little nuance on the judging. We can still judge people's actions, but we don't know their intentions. We can't judge their souls, but we can still evaluate behaviors, right? Because sometimes that's a little, sometimes that's a little, um, like if somebody runs through the church naked, like we need to right. make it. We, can, we, we don't want to say, who am I to judge, right? I can't judge that. You know, right. I can't make it any kinds of evaluations because there's some objective, there's objective, you know, uh, standards that are being violated there. Um, and so we can point that out. And we do have an obligation in Christian charity to do that if we think that, if, we, if we're in the right role for that. And if we think the other person will be open to that kind of correction. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so much of the time what we're doing is making all kinds of very quick uh, evaluative judgments within ourselves. And the thing I think about with that is, you know, even if I never express that, if I harbor that in my heart, it still compromises my relationships. You know, it still like works on me and undermines, you know, the body of Christ. I know that with one of my sons, for example, I can keep my mouth shut, you know, but I'm still radiating you know, the kind of judgmental <laughs> attitudes, you know, that, that come out. Right. And so I, I, I recognize that as being a problem. So we have to be careful about that. So that's yeah. kind of what I thought when I was riffing off of what you were saying. So, yeah, I try to take the perspective that we're all on a journey and, and, and it doesn't mean I don't interact with a person, but I just want to be really careful about how I do that, that I don't come off you know, simply judgmental where that would just push them away. There's, I think there's opportunities to interact with people where you might actually positively influence them. And, and it's just kind of discerning that, which takes us to Solomon, right? Like it takes a special kind of understanding of the heart to know how to interact with people to help them rather than alienate them or create more dissent, you know, you know, more dissension in the church. And for us, I mean, it goes right back to Solomon too. That's where I was going, but really with a focus on his humility, because we don't really know the intentions of, of these folks. We don't really know their hearts. And so, you know, we need to really recognize how little uh, we understand. And I think a lot of times when we get emotionally, um, when we get emotionally um, intense, 
we tend to flatten three-dimensional people into two-dimensional people. You know, we tend not to see with depth and we tend not to see with any nuance and we can reduce a person down to just, you know, right. he who irritates me or, you know, something like that. Right. You know, that's the only per- that's the only aspect that I'm focusing on. That's the only thing. And then we're like the blind man and the elephant. Right. We've just got one little one little slice of experience and we're hanging on to that. And we're saying that the whole elephant is a snake because we happen to be hanging on to the tail, you know. So, right. you know, it's so funny. Um, it makes me think like I was just posted something on Twitter because I've been remember last week we were talking about hymns and, and I've been doing the one. Um, oh, what's it called? <laughs> Without um, my vision. No, but I moved on to. Oh, you moved uh, on. Oh my gosh, the traditional Catholic one. Anyway, I'm not going to remember the name of it. But <laughs> the, I, the, the one traditional Catholic one. <laughs> you know, the traditional Catholic one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Jerry. That just not funny. But um, <laughs> it's... Anyway, I'll tell you later. <laughs> not the point. I made a, a judgment, like I made a little tweet comment about how I didn't learn this traditional Catholic hymn that's so beautiful when I was growing up because we were so busy singing pieces flowing like a river, <laughs> and which is a song I particularly dislike. However, okay, so despite my judgment that I made there, I was mostly tongue-in-cheek, like trying to make be funny, but um, there might be somebody that was actually moved by pieces flowing like a river. Like that song may have, at the point they were in, in their journey, right may have influenced them in a way closer to Christ. Right. And I'm not the one who gets to judge. I shouldn't be the one that judges that. But you can right? still not like it. I can still not like the song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a mild example of just, you know what? I have right. to let it go. Right. Right. It's yeah. not that important. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> well, what was the, <laughs> um, oh yeah. I did want to make this one point. One last yeah. point. We do have to wrap up real soon. Right. But I just, it's really cool this this last part in Matthew, and it's sort of hard to understand. I think because Jesus says, "Do you understand these things?" To the, the disciples say, "Yes," and then of course he knows they don't because they never quite understand it all. <laughs> he says, "Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old." And I sat with that perplexed, and I may still be a little bit perplexed, but. Here's what I take from it. Uh, and, and I took that maybe um, he, Jesus, of course, over and over does not abolish the Old Testament. In fact, he says he's come to fulfill, right, and, and in the new. And he brings a whole new light to it. So um, in the Old Testament, like they, see, they, they, they got a lot out of it. It was, you know, the Old Testament's the Old Testament. It's powerful, the Hebrew scriptures. But then Jesus comes and he shines this light on it. And it's like their eyes are open, like in the road to Emmaus. It's like, oh my gosh, we saw this, but we didn't really see it. Well, I think that's true. I think that's what he's alluding to here. But I think he's also saying that that's true for each of us in our lives. Like if I'm an accountant or if I'm an artist or if I'm a writer or what, pick a thing, whatever talent, ability, that he, Jesus doesn't say now just erase that. And I mean, there might be reasons to not do certain things. Sure. But he, he says, no, illuminate it as a Christian. How do I bring Christ into that and transform it into something different, something powerful, something that's going to bring joy in a deeper level. 
And so I, I don't know. I think one could read that and just miss the point or not understand it. But that's what I took from it. What do you think? Well, and what do scribes do? I mean, I like that. And I'm going to add one little thing to it is that what do scribes do? Well, they study the scriptures, right? And so what they're doing is they're going back to the psalm, right? That we were, that we, you know, I, I you know, Lord, I love your commands, right? So not just philosophizing or theologizing in their own little bubble, but going back to being nourished by the word of God, right? Yeah. And so when you do that, then, you know, and you have the pearl of great price, then your storeroom is full. It's full of old things and new things. You know, it's like, wow, you get it all back. Just like Solomon got it all back, right? He asked for the one critical thing. He got everything. And that is, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the message that's leaping out of all these readings to me. Mm. And the flip side is also true, right? You know, cause our Lord also tells us in another place in the gospel that, um, that uh, the little he has will be lost, right? You know, that idea that if we, if we're focused on something other than that one pearl at great price, we're going to mm. wind up losing everything else. So stakes are high in the game, right? And you can kind of see that happen as well. Cause sometimes we sacrifice, you know, we sacrifice our faith because of a romantic relationship, you know, and then we wind up losing, we can wind up losing both, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we hope that you have got the message there that um, there's more than the cross <laughs> that obviously we may have to deal with, of course, in life, but there is joy that there's right. something here that should be exciting, that discovering the kingdom of God is like life transforming, exciting. And it's all through the whole person, right? It's not just the head. It's not just the soul, but it's mm -hmm. also our emotions, right? It's our desires. It's our attitudes. It's our impulse. I mean, all impulses, all this stuff like actually gets affected by it. It's not just in this little zone of, you know, intellectual reasoning or in a zone of, 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 you know, some kind of, you know, like you were saying, stoicism, right? We're going to, or duty, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like, that should enliven all of us. So, so here's the action item that I come up with. All right. So it is a little bit like a thought process to get to what you actually have to do here or what I'm inviting you to do here. Um, first of all, here's this question. What do I have to give up to do God's will? Hard question. See what comes up. The first thing that comes up may not be the thing you end up choosing. FYI. All right. Because you may have more than one thing come up. All right. So what comes up? What do I have to do, uh, give up in order to do God's will? What comes up? And it could be a good thing. It, well, could, be a, it could be an objectively good thing. It doesn't right. necessarily have to be, you know, something that's intrinsically evil, like pornography or something like that. Yeah, right. Sometimes it's a good it, thing. Whatever. And then the next question, which we might not normally ask ourselves is, will that bring me joy to give that up? Will, and truly sit with that. Like, will it bring me joy? Is it something I'm holding on to, but it's not bringing me real joy? Whether it's a good thing or an intrinsically evil thing, because it's something that will, if I give this up, right? If I sacrifice this, whoa, I will actually be more free. I will find more peace. I will find more joy. And sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to give up those things that will actually be good for us ironically enough right and then and then just say how well how will it will it bring me more joy and just verify that that's actually the case 
And if so, I challenge you to give it up. And if it doesn't answer those questions, in other words, it won't bring you joy, then move on and think of an, another thing. And you might need to do this several times um, to come up with something. So that's my challenge for the action item is something that you can give up that will actually be really, really nice for you. That you'll be like, you're right, Dr. Jerry and Dr. Peter. I uh, needed to give that up and I know it. And it was, and I feel so excited. I want to give all of it up in order to experience the joy in, of the kingdom. Yeah. I already got something. Already you did? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you too what it is. I, I like started watching, like I never watched it when it first came out, but I started watching Downton Abbey and oh, yeah. uh, really got into it with like remarkably little self-control, right? Like watching like way too much. And um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, and it had like this grip on me. And there were some reasons for that, some psychological reasons for that, that were actually really fruitful to think about and pray about. But I found that I couldn't do that in the, I couldn't watch that show in the presence of God. And so not that I'm saying it's a bad show. I actually don't think it's a bad show, but I, um, I, uh, it's not good for me at this time. And, uh, and it's freeing up some time for me to, to be able to pursue some other things that I think will be great. So. Yeah. <coughs> Went down the wrong throat. Excuse me. <laughs> I didn't think you had a television. I well, I don't watch it on the television. I watch it on a computer monitor because I have it. Uh, I have access to it there, you know, online mm-hmm. through Amazon Prime. Not that I'm doing any promotion for Amazon, but um, <clears throat> I'm not actually going to die. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to give up coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I saw Downton Abbey years ago, and then I kind of got sick of it, so I haven't... uh, Yeah. I don't know if I I felt the same way that I needed to give it up, but I think that's a good example. Yeah. I mean, for me, me it was like riveting. There's so much I loved about that. Um, But I got attached to it in a really human way. And I am not, you're right. I don't watch a lot of, of movies or television or anything like that. Um, and so I'm also particularly susceptible that way. So, um, yeah. So. Well, sounds good. We do want to update you. We have a, a little addition to um, our site, on, especially on the Be With The Word page. You want to say something about that? Yes. So we, this actually came out of the, the discussion I was having with some of my um, resilient Catholic Carpe Diem um, uh, community members. And they said, Hey, could you put up like a tip jar, you know, like a little place where people could, uh, you know, if they wanted to contribute something, you know, and they don't want to necessarily join the community or they don't necessarily want to buy any of your courses or anything like that, but they do want to help you out. uh, And could we do that? And so we got on the horn and we're making that happen technically and that's up and running. So yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely there's an opportunity for you to, to contribute to our work and we're not, uh, they're not going to be tax deductible, but they certainly do help us keep the lights on because there are a fair number of expenses that happen in trying to run a site like this. So if you do happen to feel moved to, to, to do a contribution because of be with the word uh, you know, I guess there's similar things on, on Patreon and things like that. We're, we're, we're providing a little Avenue to where you can do that instead of, you know, buying a course or, or anything like that. Yeah. So. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yes. So even, you know, $1 would help us yeah. out, you know, whatever it is. So yeah. uh, feel free. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a, 
Nice time with you, Dr. Peter. Yeah, it's been great to be with you, Dr. Joe. I'm more energized. Every time we do these shows in the last few weeks, I felt like more energized afterwards. So it's like really great. So And I just feel like I grow learning every week. <laughs> From the stuff I look up. I just think it makes a difference to really get to know the readings. Right. Uh, you get right. so much more out of it on Sunday. Right. And also just amazing how our liturgical calendar is designed for all these readings to actually like kind of come together and speak to each other. Right. There's wisdom, there's wisdom and beauty and an organization in there, uh, a harmony in there. That's really, that's really something. And I just like getting into the natural aspects of it. Not everything we do is psychological. Like when we get into the, when we get into the rabbinic law, you know, I mean, that's like fascinating to me and it's not something that would occur to us because we don't live in the same culture. So, I mean, you're bringing that in. It's just really, really fascinating. Or the, the description of fishing, you know, that it's not with a rod and reel and the net is not some little, you know, short handled, uh, you know, kind of scoop net. I mean, this is like, you know, yeah. really Brings helpful. Up. Context yeah. is important, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe, like, share, all that stuff. And send us your messages. Yeah, we love getting know. your comments and your ideas. Uh, so much. So thank you for being with us. Every one of those comments gets read. So we, we don't ignore any of that. We, we, we track mm -hmm. that stuff. So, yeah. All right. So until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you.